What, what is gratitude? Certainly it's a word that we know and it's a word that we use, especially this time of year. Chances are later this week you'll be gathered around a table with friends that you love and family that you endure, and you may very well be asked, what are you grateful for? Before you answer that question, have, have you ever wondered what gratitude even is? I mean, I mean how would you define gratitude? Here's my definition. It's the definition we're going to use throughout the next couple of weeks in this series, and you are free to steal it. For me, gratitude is defined like this. Gratitude is a deep appreciation for the goodness and the gifts of God. It is that feeling you get when your kids hug you unprovoked. It's that all-is-well-in-the-world sensation on a quiet Saturday morning and you take your first sip of coffee. It's that sense of relief deep in your chest when they tell you that it's not cancer. It's the high five you give your spouse when your 24-year-old announces that she did, in fact, get the job and she will be moving out soon. <laughs> it's the joy of finding free Wi-Fi. Gratitude is a deep appreciation for the goodness of life and for the gifts of life. And over the next few weeks, what we're going to be talking about is, is how we cultivate gratitude in our lives. And the reason we're going to have this conversation is twofold. Number one, God commends us towards this conversation. He encourages us to grow in gratitude. He, he says quite clearly for us that it's good for us to count the blessings in our life. In fact, that's what David is talking about in the 103rd Psalm. We just heard it where David says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Keep track of the goodness of God. And then in Colossians chapter 3, deep in the New Testament, Paul says this. He says, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The second reason we need to have this conversation is because gratitude is not something that happens naturally in us. We, we have glimpses of it, we experience glimmers of it, but, but deep, life-changing, beautiful, biblical gratitude is not natural to us. It's something that has to be trained in us, learned by us, cultivated and forged and worked up within us. Apart from trying to grow in gratitude, we will, I would argue, experience less and less gratitude in our lives. It is really difficult for materially blessed people to experience deep gratitude. Did you know that? That the more blessings you have, the harder it is for you to appreciate them. And that is especially true for you and me in our part of the world. You may not feel like you're one of the richest people in the world, but trust me, you are one of the richest, most blessed people in the world. We are. And it is difficult for us to appreciate that. And there's actual scientific proof to back that up. But I don't even need to bring that out because you know it's true. You once took a vacation to Hawaii, and now you know that it's a little more difficult for you to appreciate a weekend at the state park having gone to Hawaii. You've eaten a steak at Taste of Texas, and now you're a little less excited about lunch at Applebee's. You got to test drive a Tesla, and now you're not quite as satisfied with your certified pre-owned Toyota. 
Your team won a World Series last year. And so now you're not quite as happy with a really good season where they don't take home the title. Here's the thing about you and me. The more my cup overflows, the easier it is to gripe about the size of my mug. And so we have to talk about what it means to grow in gratitude because it doesn't happen naturally for us. Now, you might be sitting there saying, so what? Yeah, gratitude is a great thing, but what if I... What if I don't grow in gratitude? What if I never become a more grateful person? Pastor Matt, is that a bad thing? My response is this. It's simple and it's clear. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, that's a bad thing. I would go so far as to say that to refuse to grow in gratitude is detrimental if not dangerous to your well-being. A refusal to grow in gratitude is detrimental, if not dangerous, to your well-being in a handful of ways. Number one, pure and simple, ingratitude is not a good look on you. Refusing to be grateful makes you unlikable and unlovely at the very least. Think about it. You ever gone out of your way for somebody and they fail to say thank you to you? Like they know the effort you put in or the generosity that you've extended and for whatever reason didn't even hit them to say thank you to you. How do you feel about that person? Don't be that person. Grow in gratitude. Likewise, ingratitude, a lack of gratitude, leads to ineffectiveness in life. It's true. Uh, people who fail to be grateful are people who in all likelihood, have failed to consider what it has taken to bring about the blessings that they enjoy. They fail to appreciate just what it takes to put the blessings that they enjoy on their table and in their life. And that which you don't understand and you don't appreciate, you can't learn from, you can't grow from, and you can't replicate in your own life. It makes you ineffective and immature. Likewise, a refusal to grow in gratitude ingratitude leaves you emotionally vulnerable. The person who is ungrateful is more likely to be shaken by the storms of life. The person who has failed to take an accounting of all the blessings in their life is more likely to feel like the world is ending when they lose one blessing in life. It leaves you emotionally vulnerable. And lastly, the reason you should seek to grow in gratitude is because a lack of gratitude from a spiritual perspective, is unfaithful, if not idolatrous. And here's what I mean by that. Idolatry, as Christians define it, is the refusal to give God the recognition, respect, and ultimately the worship that he deserves. It's a refusal to recognize just how deeply dependent you are upon God for absolutely everything, every moment of every day. The ungrateful person does not realize that every breath, every beat of her heart, is due to the grace and the mercy and the goodness of God. If you are an ungrateful person, it's because you don't think you owe anybody anything. And yet you owe God everything. To refuse to see that is, unfaithful at best, idolatrous at worst. So you and I, we should seek to grow in this because, because that's not who we are. My hope for me and for you, for us as a church, is that we would be likable and lovely people who remember to say thank you. 
that we would be people who are effective in life and maturing in life, that we would be people who are largely unshakable by the storms of life and who are as faithful as possible with this gift of life. That's who we are called to be. And so we have to grow in our gratitude. Now, how do we do that? Well, the good news is that the Scripture commends us to a series of practices that help us to nurture gratitude in our life. And, and by the way, as a side note, that's how all virtue is grown. Whether you're talking about the virtue of gratitude or of love or of patience, these things don't happen on accident. They happen through a series of daily choices that you make. You see, your internal self is largely shaped by the external practices you embrace in your life. If there is a change you want to make in here, there are habits and practices and choices that you need to make out here. That's how character is formed. That's how virtue is nurtured in human existence. And that's true for gratitude. And the thing that the scriptures tell us to do, first and foremost, we want to grow our gratitude, is simply this. You might want to write this down, okay? This, this is the secret to growing in gratitude. Here you go. Are you ready for it? Count. And even kids can do that. Count. That's what David does in the 103rd Psalm. He says, bless the Lord all my soul and forget not all of his benefits. Remember, count all of his benefits. And then what does he do? He spends 20 long verses recounting all the benefits of the goodness and the love and the mercy of God. Count. That's what we're called to do. Now, in particular, I think people of faith count a handful of things. If you're going to count anything, if you're here as a person of faith who wants to grow in gratitude, I've got a handful of them for you. And we start with the smallest of things. People of faith who are growing in their gratitude, they count the little joys of life. They count the little joys of life. Now, the big things matter too. Like the, the health in your bones, if you're healthy, count that. The, the kids in your life, the family around you, the money in your bank account, if you're blessed to have a lot of it, give thanks for that. But, but gratitude really begins not just by counting health and your bank account and your kids. It, it starts by counting cups of coffee, conversations with friends, funny text messages from a coworker, the cool side of the pillow as you're sleeping in, the smell of new shoes, some of you know what I'm talking about. The first bite of cake. A deep breath after a bad day that you thought was going to kill you. You see, the ability to grow in gratitude is not just about big things you possess, it's about vision that you have. It's not just about possession, it's about vision. Just as the person with great vision can see the smallest characters on the eye, eye chart, the person with great gratitude can see the smallest of joys in life. They can see the blessing and the goodness in the smallest of things. So first things first, to grow in gratitude as people of faith, if you're here as a person of faith, we count the small and simple joys of life. The second thing we do is this. You count the people on your path. When God created the world, he created it perfect, and he placed mankind at the center of it. 
He made Adam and he looked around at everything and said, it's all good, everything is good. Sin, death, and struggle had not yet entered that existence. And yet God paused, looked at man, and said, everything is good except for him. It's not good for him to be alone. To which every woman responded, no kidding. And so he made a helper and a mate suitable for him. And that has application to marriage and all kinds of relationships. But in particular, it tells us this. You were not meant to live life alone. You were designed to flourish in relationship with other people, all kinds of people, people that you're close with and people you just pass on the street. It is impossible to flourish in God's creation all by yourself. You can't do life with God with just God. You have to do life with God with other people. And not just people that you like, but also people that you don't like. You need them too. And not just people that you know really well, but people that you kind of know and you struggle to remember their name, you remember them too. You see, if you want to grow in gratitude, you need to count all the people on your path, the good ones, the bad ones, uh, the fun ones, the not-so-fun ones, the ones you remember, the ones you can't, because all of them are a gift to you. All of them are a blessing to you. They are helping you live the life that God has called you to live. And if you don't believe me, I've got some science to back me up. John Ortberg, a great pastor and writer, he, he quotes the the Alameda County Research Project, which is considered by many to be the the largest and most thorough uh, uh, research project on on social interaction and relationships that's ever been conducted. Over the course of nine years, this study tracked 7,000 people. And it found that people who had strong social ties in their community, in this particular community, lived longer. In fact, if you had very few social connections in your community, it didn't matter what kind they were, good ones or bad ones, if you had very few social ties in your community, you were three times more likely to die over the course of that study than people who were well-connected. Likewise, they found that people who had poor health habits, they were smokers, they were overeaters, they refused to exercise, they drank to excess, but they were well-connected in their community in that they, they shared life with a lot of people. They lived longer and were measurably healthier than those people who had much better health habits, yet lived largely in isolation. Here's the bottom line. It is better for you to eat a donut with a friend than to go to the gym all by yourself. (laughs) It is better for you to eat a Twinkie with somebody you can't stand than to go gluten all alone. Go gluten-free all alone. That is hashtag science, my friends. Give thanks for the people on your path, whether you like them or not, because they are literally helping to keep you alive. And people of great gratitude understand this. This next one is difficult. And and I'll be the first to admit that this is like growth in gratitude 2.0. This is like a ninja level of growing in gratitude. This is about maturity and depth of faith. Not everyone is at this place where they're able to do this third thing, but, but I think many of you might be ready. You should also count the lessons learned in pain. And, and this is something that's, that's often only done through the eyes of faith. But, but what, what, what I know and I believe, and I know many of you are, are believing this as well, is that even in the, the, the deepest of struggles, in the, in the biggest of hardships, in the 
most gut-wrenching of pain, there is, if you choose to see it through the eyes of faith, there is some blessing to be found in that burden. I'm not saying that the burden itself is a blessing, but there is a blessing to be found in that burden, whatever it is. Very often, it is the perspective that you gain through that hardship. It is the maturity that you experience and the growth you experience in that hardship. It's the strength you discover through that hardship. But in that burden, there there is a blessing. That's what James is getting at when he says this. James says this in deep in the New Testament in chapter 1. He says, Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters. Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. John Newton was a captain of a slave ship. He later repented for his role in the slave trade and he wrote the most famous hymn of all time. He wrote Amazing Grace. And in reflecting upon the hardships and the pain in his life, he made this statement. John Newton said, The Lord afflicts us at times, but it's always a thousand times less than we deserve and much less than many of our fellow creatures are suffering around us. Do you see the lesson he's learned in his own pain? Are you yet able to count the lessons you've learned in your pains? Are you able to count the lesson learned in the bad breakup, in the chronic illness, in the dysfunction at the workplace, in the backward relationship with your sister-in-law? Are you yet able to count the lessons learned and the blessings discovered in pain and burden? Let me ask you this. Have you tried? I've got one more for you, and this is obviously the most important one. This is the one that, that helps us differentiate Christian growth in gratitude and just plain regular growth in gratitude. You, you, you not only count the little joys in life, you not only count the people along your path, you not only count the lessons learned in pain, but you count the blessings of being included in God's family. You count the blessings of belonging to God. And that's what the 103rd Psalm is all about. You count the blessings of belonging to God. And God has given you a blessing in Jesus Christ that is bigger than even the blessing of your kids, even bigger than the blessing of of the roof over your head or whatever you've got in your bank account. It's, It's bigger than any blessing you hold on to and you cherish. And that blessing is this. It is the unending, irrevocable, nonstop love of God the Father for you. It is the promise that whatever sin you confess, whatever sin you confess, it is always forgiven. It is the promise that whatever prayer you pray, it is always answered, always. It will be answered in God's way and in God's time, which is not always your way and your time, but God will always answer your prayer. It's the promise that that nothing can pull you from the nonstop, never-ending, irrevocable love of God, not some dumb decision you made on a Friday night, not the evil of this world, not even death. If and when death gets you, that won't pull you from the love of God. It may pull you from this earth, but it will not pull you from his presence. 
That's the blessing you have. And what makes you a person of faith is that you look for that, you celebrate that, and you count that. And then what you discover is that as you look at the benefits of the gospel, the gospel is the message of God's love for you in Jesus Christ and all the things it guarantees for you. As you marvel at the message of the gospel, it increases the gratitude you feel for everything else. The gospel is a gratitude magnifier for every other thing in your life. Because the more you marvel at what God has given to you through the work of Jesus Christ, the more you marvel at every other thing you get to enjoy. Because you start to say this, well, according to the gospel, I am way more of a mess than I ever thought. Way more. But I am more loved than I can ever comprehend. And so now everything becomes evidence of God's extravagant mercy and grace. The gospel is a gratitude magnifier. It takes everything else you're grateful for and like puts it on steroids and it explodes. And you're like, I, I, I am a mess and yet I have, I have this <laughs> and I have this and I, and I have this and I have this. I have everything and I deserve nothing. That's how people of faith grow in gratitude. They count the blessings of belonging to God. How would you define gratitude? Let me ask you this. What is the difference between gratitude and thanksgiving? Gratitude is the appreciation you experience. Thanksgiving is what you do with that appreciation. Gratitude is what you feel. Thanksgiving is what you do. You give praise. You say thank you. You share your wealth and your blessings. You invite people to your table. And if that's the case, here's my takeaway, my homework, and my challenge for you. I want you this week to spend time doing whatever it takes to prepare for Thursday, to prepare for dinner. I want you to plan for the best turkey ever, make homemade pumpkin pie, do cranberry cornbread stuffing, and then invite me over because that's my favorite. Stock up on Shinerbach and a good IPA if I'm coming. Like, get everything ready for Thursday. But the number one thing you can do to prepare for Thursday is to start to count today. It's to make sure that your thanksgiving is genuine because it is flowing from a deep reservoir of gratitude. Gratitude is what you feel and then thanksgiving is what you do. So start counting today and every day beyond so that you have this full well of gratitude that overflows in genuine thanksgiving as you pass the stuffing. So count. Tomorrow morning when you sip a cup of coffee, say to yourself, one. Then later on that day when you're having lunch with a coworker and she says something that makes you laugh and you can't get it out of your head, say to yourself, two. And then the next day when you press play in your DVR and you binge a couple episodes of your favorite show, say three. And then when you share some hard-earned wisdom with a teenager in your life who's really struggling but you've got your own pain and your own lessons and you share that with them, say four. 
And then when you're driving to work and you're thinking about some of the sins and struggles in your life and you're confessing those things and then it washes over you that it is finished and you are forgiven, say five. And then find a way to say six and find a reason to say seven and find a reason to say eight and say nine and say ten. And then saddle up to that table on Thursday and tell me you don't have every reason in the world to give thanks. That's how you get ready for Thursday. I dare you to try that. You want to grow in your gratitude? Count. I'll close with this. A caveat to my skeptical and unbelieving friends. If you want to remain skeptical of faith and you want to remain unbelieving, I suggest you don't do this. Because I will warn you that gratitude is a gateway drug to God. It is really, really hard to live a life where you're giving thanks and to continue to insist that there's no one who gives. So just be warned, if you count, if you give thanks, you may find at the end of that long road of thanksgiving is a God to whom you owe your life and all your praise. Let's pray.